0: Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabbat Pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded Pack has stopped reporting back or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabbat pack known as The Nothing. Join us with Becca, playing Linda, a Malkavian anti-tribute, Craig, playing Jake, a Pander; Jordan, playing Abigail, a Rabinos anti-tribute, Monica, playing Jenny, a Shemizi, and Slottick, playing Charlie, a Buha anti-tribute, and Chris, as the Storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter, at twin underscore cities underscore BTM or on Facebook and Discord as Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Abigail, you are standing like right at the entrance of this little enclave where you see the skinned figure on the crucifix. The weird bodies that seem to be sewn together along the wall almost seems like this globe of distorted reality stands in front of you and you see felix is looking at you he's kind of like next to you he's like go ahead step on in i know you want to you're tired of this all aren't you
1: no but i will but no i'm what do you mean tired of this all
0: you're tired of your existence
1: i'm tired and i would like to rest a bit but i'm not tired of this existence
0: go in there she awaits you
1: i will after you answer one question for me How are you here?
0: You see him smirk at you for a moment. I'll answer that later. Go. Give me a perception and a cult role for a second. Ooh. I don't have a cult. Perception and alertness. Okay. What is the difficulty? Six. Four successes. So you know that Felix's English was a second language for Felix. Felix. So whenever he would usually say he would do something, he would speak as I will. He was very like clear about I will or will not. There's no there's no contractions. He didn't he didn't use contractions often. So when he said, I'll talk to you about it when we're done, or we'll talk about it when it's done, you look at him and you realize for a second, like, wait a second, like this isn't how he normally speaks. And you just caught like that small part of it, and you think about it, and you think about all the contractions that he's used. Go ahead, scenes on you.
1: On that little Little realization her demeanor will shift from yes I will do all of this to you know what? I don't think I will go in there. Who are you?
0: I am Felix, of course. Come on. And you see him get closer. No,
1: you're not. No, you're not. You're not Felix. Who are you? You're an imposter.
0: I am not. And you see him like get closer. He comes walking as you're like backing up away. And then all of a sudden in your ear you hear this loud boom blast it's almost to your right and you see like this puff of smoke and it's almost like a la- loud flash almost a bright flash and you see the figure of felix like step back and you smell gunpowder in the air and you see like this barrel of like a shotgun that's like right on the right of your face and you look and you see there's this like native american man he has like long hair but it's in a ponytail and you see he has like this cowboy shirt tucked in to like these jeans. He looks very pale, like very, very pale, almost like gray ashen. And you look back at what was Felix before, and you see this face. It's it's completely black, but it has, like, hair that seems to be coming out in different tufts of it. It looks leathery, almost like bat skin, almost. And you see the figure's, like, fangs are extended out. And he's, like, he's yelling. And you see, you realize this is the figure of Logan that was in front of you. And you see that, like, this shotgun blast completely destroyed the mask, destroyed his upper part of his jacket and his shirt and you see the figure grabs you and he goes run and he like pushes you aside like to go run back where you came from and you hear more shotgun blast happening as there's like screaming and as the screaming is starting to happen, you hear this loud buzzing of flies that's coming across from behind you from where you're running away from and you look behind you and you see this figure is running behind you too the figure who shot the shotgun and he's—you guys are just both running. I take it. Are you running, or so he's? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm getting out of here. No you're, question
0: about it. Your, your, your flashlight's like just all over the place as you're running. You're kind of trying to like retrace your steps as you came from. Eventually, you're in that opening. You're running along that opening. You see that tunnel. You see the figures running behind you and looking behind you. You can hear this loud swarming of fly sounds, but you can't see anything. Like you don't feel anything upon you. And as you go through that tunnel, and you you realize that you're at the edge of that lip where it falls down like 20 feet i need you to give me a dexterity and athletics roll please difficulty six uh shoot i i botched so you try to stop and you realize you fall like head first down and you land and you feel like like the light breaks underneath you but then you feel a figure like like drop next to you and he pulls you up and you realize it's this figure who shot the shotgun with you. And he's just grabbing you. And he's like running. You guys are running out down this way. Running down the, along the rail tracks. You're running along the past the cart that you saw. Past the picnic tables that you saw. You're at the opening. You see the snow. You don't hear the buzzing anymore. And as you both are running, you go out into the snow. And you see him look back at the cave. And he looks at you and he pushes you. He's like, keep going, run. And he's like, I'll stay here in case they come. You go running towards the trees into the forest. And as you're running along there, you kind of feel the snow is still falling. And eventually the snow gets thicker and thicker. And you see shadows are starting to well up along the trees. And there's a moment where you look at one of the trees and you see a figure come walking out of the shadows. He has a black priest suit on. He's very pale. And you see on his face, he has markings. And he has these sharp blue eyes that you can make out in the moon. It's almost like his skin illuminates the moon you, it looks like these markings on his face are moving and he has short blonde hair that shaved on the sides and slicked back when you see him look at you and he's like sister you have gotten yourself in quite the situation here come i offer you safety
1: we would usually call them father or something right
0: whatever you choose to call him you, you, yeah you're not quite sure okay who figure is.
1: well he is wearing a priest yeah
0: he's wearing a rope, right which, so suit which reminds you of when you were embraced.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking of.
0: It's not the same figure, but yeah. Just come with me, sister.
1: Yes, father. Thank you. I'm sorry.
0: There's nothing to be sorry about. My name is Vidar, and I offer you sanctuary. As he grabs you, he pulls you into him, and you fall back into the shadows. Linda, you are sitting in this apartment on two dining room chairs, and you see this other version of this lady in a gray charcoal suit is embracing this figure on the floor, and she looks at you. You are confused, aren't you?
2: Yes and no. When is this?
0: This is now. At least now as you see it.
2: How are you here and here?
0: Well, you're with me. We're together. You see me there. What I'm doing right there is I'm bringing that man over. This city that you're in right now, Linda, something is in the underbelly of it. Something has corrupted it. Something continues to corrupt it. In 1945, the city was attacked by members of the sect that you come from. This sword of Cain, the Sabbat, was under the guise of trying to take over the city. But in reality, some were searching for something that lies in the city. We didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. Members of my sect, the Camarilla, tried to defend it. But a lot of people I know who are dear to me died because of a betrayal. Someone in the power of the city made deals for his own survival. And then he backstabbed the sword of Cain. And now he's in a position of power where he runs things in the city. His name is Philip. I slept after all that happened because I couldn't deal with it all anymore. Until something awoke in me. Waves changed in the city. There's a group of kindred in the city whose actions set the path that I've been planning in my sleep for a while. See, I'm sleeping right now when this is happening. You and me talking. Not when that's going on. When you saw me before I was sleeping. When we spoke before I was sleeping. We're intertwined, you and I.
2: Is that why you came to me so infrequently?
0: Yes, it's hard at times. But when you came closer, you see the man who brought you over. His name's Adam. He's my child. When you saw me before I was with Adam, when you came to the city, you were by me. I'm sure it's not making sense now, but it will. Come on. I have more to show you. She gets up and she opens a door. As you both open the door, expecting to go in the hallway, you walk into another apartment and you see Kimberly in the suit is sitting and is talking to this woman that's on the couch. She has blonde hair, it's kind of shorter, and you hear this and she's wearing like pajama pants. It has like a spaghetti string like loose top on, you know, like to wear to go to bed. And you see this woman on the couch go, "But what does Ophelia have to do with all this?" And you see kim like, "Well, see what I'm offering you, it's going to help Ophelia out." She's like, "You're not making any sense, lady. I don't get it." Like like she's my friend." And she's like, "Yes, But you're going to help things out with what I'm offering you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Christopher, Christopher, I think it's your time. She's like, and you see this Kimberly get up, walk out the door of the apartment in front of you guys. And you see Christopher walking in, this guy that you saw her bring over. And you see he has a smile on his face. And you look at, you see Kimberly that's with you, looks at you. She's like, you don't want to see this. And she gets up and opens the door for you both to walk out and closes it. And you hear screaming from this woman behind the door she's screaming and then you're right now on the street corner again on the street corner it's kind of raining a little bit she's like i had to make decisions here linda you see sometimes when you have to get people to do things you have to force their hands so i brought over that monster you saw that man you saw me bring over he's a horrible person caused much pain in people's lives but he was like philip and his mentality you see she taps her head and if i brought him over and i made him Interact this group of kindred that I say awoken me. It would get them ready to go against Philip, right? You have a group of kindred who can change things. You introduce someone who's like the person you want them to go against. And you see how they do. What do you think? I see. That? Yes. You're, you're
2: preparing their story.
0: I'm preparing their story. Exactly. That woman that you saw being brought over by Christopher is a close, significant person of that group. But she had to go too. And you see she turns around, and grabs your hand and you walk around the corner and you're in this room. And when you go around the corner, you see this room has like wooden floors on there, has this couch with throw blankets over it, has like a bookshelf, and you see that woman who was just screaming. She's kneeling in a pile of ash, crying blood tears. She just took the soul of the person she loved. She made a sacrifice for us. You see she took that soul because we want others in the city to think that the person she killed was killed by someone else do you see the the thread I'm weaving here
2: right so that then this group would go out after who you want this yes. Philip
0: Philip and a and a and a ally of his a man named Roman Dunzern and a clan a family of theirs called the Giovanni yes but we don't end here we don't end here at all you see after a while, Christopher got out of hand. I couldn't quite control him. Like I wanted to control him. And before this happened, well, and you see, she goes and follow me and you'll see, she walks around the corner of this room and you're in this looks like a hospital. And you see that there's like people who are like kind of dancing to like this old music. And you see Kimberly sitting there at a chair and you see Adam behind her naked. And Kimberly is right next to you. And she's like, you see, he's about to absorb me. Do you know what that means?
2: There's there's no reaction from Linda when she says that and then when she she asks, she slowly shakes her head no.
0: He's going to take my soul within his, but I'm not done after that. We are all connected. We are more than the mortal coil. You know this. You've known this. There are signs, there's symbols, there's paragraph there's patterns, there's time, and we see all of it. You're not alive anymore, Linda. I took you that night that you saw me, Linda. While I slept, I was able to leave. My mind is able to expand. We are together in eternity, Linda. Do you feel? Do you still see?
2: Linda closes her eyes just to to feel what she's talking about, and to see if she can get that that sensation.
0: Do you feel your family still? And you don't. I don't. But you're part of a bigger family. There's still more to show you. And as she goes and turns around and you grabs your hand again and you walk down the hallway of this sanitarium, you make a right. And then you're in the backseat of a car. Both of you are in the backseat. You look in the rearview mirror and you see this man driving. He has shortish, like, auburn hair. He looks very intense. And he's just looking through the windshield at you two. And he has his hands on the steering wheel. We're in two of our family right now. I'm an Adam and you're in Star. That woman that you saw that was brought over. The one who killed. And we're playing the game right now. That man who's driving us. He's part of another clan that's helping us get the same desired results that we want. His clan is called the Tremere. What we're doing right now is we're going to cleanse Star of the marks that what she did. You see, every time that we absorb souls our kind, we have marks on us that others can identify. And what we're doing right now is clearing ourselves of that mark. You're starting to see now, Linda? I'm sure you're asking why your family was brought here. They were brought here because they were always meant to be a sacrifice. See, within the city is that corruption. Sangler serves that corruption. Think about this. Ask yourself this. Why would they send a pack like you to find something like that? I'm sorry, Linda, but I knew I could save you. I saw this happening in my sleep before your pack was even brought over. One is saved, though. That means well. Two others, they're around. I'm sure you'll see them again someday. Oh, look, we're at the house here. And then she gets out. the. You see the figure opens the door and you both walk out. You guys go into this house and you see when you go into the house that there's this willowy looking Italian-American woman with long brown hair that's parted in the sides. You see next her stands like this club girl looking blonde that has like silvery blonde hair that's kind of like poofed out, spiked out, you know, in the club style. And you see that there's a somber looking man who has long brown hair and like a beard. And they're like, please follow us. And you guys walk down some basement steps. It becomes a blur, but eventually you see that they're all dressed in white robes and they're all chanting and have these knives in their hands and you're in star's body naked on this cold concrete and while they're chanting you start feeling dizzy and all of a sudden they leap upon you with the knives and they continue to stab you over and over and over again as you hear this voice that you're inhibiting screaming and in pain crying in pain as they're chanting and stabbing blood is splattering over their whiteness You see on their face, they're chanting over and over again until finally the pain stops and you're laying naked on this cold concrete, blood flowing from underneath you. And you hear the willowy Italian woman, blood drenched all over her face. Look at Kimberly, Adam, it's hard to make out which one that you're actually seeing now. And she says, her marks are gone. No one will detect what she did. Eventually, you're cleaned up in your clothes and you're brought upstairs. And when you're brought upstairs, you see this man who drove you is laying on the floor, crying uncontrollably. You see the glass of this godfather clock is broken. And there's a moment you squat down and you look at him and he looks up at you and you see pain in his eyes and you feel an empathy for him. You guys get back into the car. Linda, tell me what's on your mind, Kimberly says.
2: What am I to do now?
0: Ah, this is why I love you, Linda, so much. This is why I love you so much.
2: And, and with that, like, Linda just beams more. It's like when that, uh, when your your mom or dad says, oh, I'm so proud of you. It's just like.
0: So Linda, and you, oh, you make me so happy. There's one in that group of kindred who has seen the corruption in the city. And it's taken its toll on them. I opened his eyes and I had him see. And it's starting to damage him. The thing is, he's connected to us and our family a little bit. He can see slightly what we can. That means you can speak to him. I need you to help him heal. We'll cut to Jake and Jenny. You guys are in this hallway. Go ahead, scenes on you guys.
3: Jake, we've, we've, we've got to get out of here. There's, there's something really freaking weird happening in this house.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. Let's, let's maybe continue this discussion in the van or
0: something.
3: Yeah, we're going to try to make a beeline right for the door.
0: So you guys go down the steps and sitting at the dining room table is this lady. And she has this, like, bathrobe on. It's almost like those Oriental silk bathrobes. Kimono? Kimono. Excuse me. Yeah, it's almost like a kimono. And she has her legs crossed. And it's it's this odd contrast because it's like this bright, you know, kitchen with, like, this, you know, ugly linoleum floor and, like, this lime green cabinets. And there's this figure sitting there. And the door's in front of you. She's to the right. And she's like, oh, look at you two. I think... I
4: think as we're getting down the stairs, and notice her, like, like our pace kind of slows to like from like a rushed walk slash run down the stairs to like a gentle step as we like kind of a uh, cautiously approach because she's kind of like not physically, but like almost with her presence barring our exit. Jenny
0: seemed to have found Jake. That's right. You guys are gonna live happily ever after, aren't you?
3: What do you want from us? We just want to get the fuck out of here.
0: Well, you see, Jenny, it's rather unfortunate, but if I let you go, I mean, I'm not stopping you, but if I let you go, you're pretty much dead. You know that, right?
3: What makes you say that?
0: Well, Sangrus is an infernalist. What? A what? He serves things that your mind can't wrap it around its existence. And, well, Logan probably was too. So here's the thing. You leave these doors and... Sangriff is going to probably find you and end your existence. Or I can offer an alternative. Jake, how much do you love Jenny? What are you talking about? How much do you love Jenny, Jake? Listen, lady. Uh, oh, t- Jenny, what does it make you feel like when he's like kind of dancing around the question?
3: Um, Jenny is pressing her tongue to the roof of her mouth real tightly.
4: Listen, lady, I don't know if you know what's been going on in this house, but we got to get out of here. Jake. I'll sing your love
0: songs later, but how much do you love Jenny, Jake? That's an easy question, Jake. How much do you love her? Why do you hesitate? I don't. I don't know what you want. I, of course, I love her. She's of course, but you didn't answer right away, there, Jake.
4: And like, Jake's kind of looking at her confused because, like, he's like, "Are
0: are are you fucking with me? Do you know what's going on in this house right now?" <laughs> I look, he, she looks at Jenny. Jenny, do you hear that? You remember what I told you, Jenny.
3: Look, we're a little shaken up. We just want to get out. We don't want any trouble.
0: Jake, how much do you love her? And you hear the voice gets like deeper. Do you love her? Yes. Then do you want her to live? More than anything. Then listen to me, Jake.
3: Don't listen to her.
0: You leave these doors, Jake, with her. Sangris is going to find you and he's going to murder you both. And you'll have that death that you wanted. Or you could make her stronger and you could help make others stronger can fight back against the people who set you up to be in the situation i grab jenny's hand and you can find that peace you seek that you have sought after do you know jake that that blood in your veins can make others enlightened other mortals jake
4: look at jenny jake i turn my head and look at her
0: you see how she's different than you and the rest of your pack right of course she's she's beautiful that but also what else jake would you say that she's grown more as a canine than you have, than your others have? Listen, Jake, I, answer my question. Jake, I'm being nice. I, it certainly
4: doesn't feel that way. I I feel like you're trying to keep us here or something.
0: I'm not trying Jen, to keep. Leave, Jenny. Let's go. Die. Go ahead. Good luck. I really wish you luck.
3: Jake, don't listen to her. Earlier, she was trying to get me to kill you.
0: That's because Jake needs to die, dear.
3: He does not need to die.
0: He's going to die, dear. Felix couldn't make it, and Felix was a lot stronger. Jake, you know this. How many times have you thought about dying, Jake? How much has it consumed you? Don't you want to see your wife and kids? I'm offering you this, Jake. I am. I'm offering you this. I'm offering you a chance to elevate Jenny and give her a future of survival. Or you can leave with your baser instincts, and you both can be damned. Are those really the only options? What do you think, Jake? What does your gut tell you? I look at Jenny. And Jake, uh, even if those aren't the two only options, how long do you think you can make it in this world? I don't know, but I think I'm going to try. Oh, are you? How well has that been going for you? So, Jenny, go if you want to go. Or you can stay. You heard the hesitation in his voice. He doesn't know what he wants, Jenny. He's an anchor. I'm giving him an opportunity to make you stronger and others stronger. And he still hesitates. He can't face the reality, Jenny. He's trying to convince himself right now.
3: He's not trying to convince himself. You're just getting in his head, just like you were getting in my head. This is all a game to you. It's not a game to us. This is our lives.
0: Jenny, what happened when he killed those cops? What do you mean? How did he react? How do you know How do you know about that? Get out of my head. How did he react when he killed those cops, Jenny? He, he,
3: he, he was regretful, but... Okay, so... Those cops had families...
0: No! Oh, oh, now, oh, now you're not a canine anymore, Jenny. Go ahead, go, go, go with him. Go, f- leave it to Beaver. I'm not stopping you, Jenny. You're here talking to me. Go out to that existence. Play house. See how far it gets you. I think Jake takes a step towards the door. You see where he lies right now. You've heard his hesitation. Seems awfully chivalrous of him leaving you here when he's about to leave.
3: He's not leaving without me. He's just done with your shit and so am I. Why are you so interested in what we do or don't do, lady?
0: Because it's hard to find allies in this world, Jenny. And I really hate to see a good prospect like you walk out the door.
3: It's starting to sound a lot like me that you're, you know, to me, it's sounding like you're somebody who turned her back on her pack. Suddenly, you know what happened with those cops? Were you the reason that Mark is dead?
0: No, no, not at all. Mark is dead because Mark played the game. He got caught. I'm above such things now, Jenny. Alihe Jenny. I have masses who follow me. I have people who adore me, who worship me as a god. I have the power of Lilith with me. I seek no man, no male figure, to tell me what I need to become. I am my own. I am now. You can go, and you can go pretend to be his wife, and you can go and coddle him and hope he survives, or. You can take my offer. I'll open your eyes. He can give his blood to those who worship us as a god and help them and help you survive.
3: Are you saying we're going to sacrifice Jake? Do you hear yourself?
0: Jake has already sacrificed him to so much other. He sacrificed his family. Don't you want penance, Jake? Get out of my head. You, You should not know these things. Jake, you're like a book. Your own pack probably realizes this about you. You got coddled by three women because you couldn't stand on your own. So, Jenny, go or you can seek. But before you go, and you see her hand come out, all you got to do is taste the flower, Jenny. Or do you want to taste the flower, Jake? And her other hand comes out and it has a petal of the flower. Taste it. You can still walk out. I'm sorry.
4: Freedom. I'm sorry, but I think I'm the only one who's going to be buying this lady flowers.
0: You can taste the flower and feel what free will tastes like. Are you afraid that your free will will be given back to you and you won't feel what you feel now? You do realize that the love that you both feel each other was forced upon you by the Valdry, right?
3: That's not true. You That's said that true, before. Jenny. And you Jenny. took you took Jake from me, you took you took Linda from me and I still Care for them. If it, if, if, if it weren't for real love, if it weren't for what I truly feel deep down inside, not because of some blood bond, I would have taken your offer and I wouldn't be here where I am.
0: Then take the taste, Jenny, because you'll still feel that way then. Or are you afraid that you might be wrong?
3: When he says that, Jenny kind of freezes in place and she looks legitimately afraid.
0: Come on, Jenny. Are you afraid of the truth? Jake is pulling Jenny's hand as he's Let trying- go of him. You will not control this woman. She can make her own decision. And she looks at you, Jenny. Are you afraid of the truth, Jenny?
3: I don't know what the truth is anymore. Between what I'm told by Sanguis, what I'm told by you, by Benjamin, by everyone. Everyone has their own version of the truth.
0: This will free you of the Valdry, Jenny. And you will feel the truth. This is what I offer. Because guess what, Jenny? Soon... I'll bite it be a year or two from now. If you happen to survive with Jake and escape from Sangris's minions, you're not going to have that Walder anymore. And that's going to fade away. So you can know now, or you can know three years from now, long after you become a memory that is forgotten by me.
3: Jenny's starting to get the feeling um, that due to this lady's power and everything that's happened in this house so far, that no matter what she says, they're not really going to get out of here alive. Um, So she looks at Jake and she's kind of holding onto his hand, like gripping it so tightly. And she looks at the lady and says, what do I have to do so Jake can go?
0: Taste the flower. And you can go too. Taste the flower.
3: If I taste it, do you promise that no harm of any kind will come to Jake from you or any of your worshipers or your people? I promise that.
0: But I'm going to tell you this, Jenny, too. If you taste this flower... And taste the freedom and still want to leave, I'll let you leave. But I highly doubt that you're gonna to want to, Jenny. Taste the flower.
3: She's gonna take her free hand. She's still holding on to Jake. And she's gonna put her hand out for the petal.
0: She hands it to you and places it in your hand.
3: You better not hurt Jake. And she takes a bite.
0: Okay, this is where I give free will to the player, because I don't know. All I'm gonna tell you this. The Valdery is completely gone right now for all the play all the all the rest of your pack. All the the emotion, all of them: Felix, Pia, Linda, Abigail, Jake. It's like a snap of the fingers. Like it's almost like you know. And I, I'm I mean, gonna I frame it like this, but I don't want you to think it's like this. It's like you know the moment where everyone's like, "Oh, don't worry, give it time." When you break up with someone, or someone breaks up, give it time. You'll get over it, and you don't think you'll ever get over it until like. Wait, one day you got over it and you're not quite sure when it happened, but it's just not, and you think about that and you're like, I was such an idiot. I should have listened to everyone and I insisted everyone was wrong. And also now you're like, man, I don't feel that way. That's how you feel now. Now I'm not going to say if you don't personally have feelings for Jake, you know what I mean? Or whatever. I'm just saying that structure, that foundation that I was built off just collapsed. Now I'm going to put it in your hands. When you look at him after biting it and you see Jake, I'm going to let you decide what you feel. And again, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm not, as a storyteller, insisting that you pick something. This is where you have created a free reign with your character. And you, and please, whatever decision you make, explain that decision so we can get into the mind of Jenny. Because I fucking love Jenny. Go ahead.
3: Uh, Jenny takes that bite and immediately feels the valdery just dissolve from her, all the bonds. She no longer feels her beloved Abigail. And as she turns to Jake, it's almost like she's looking at someone that she barely really knows. And the only thing that she can really feel is the past um, three years that she's been with Jake. So that is what she does know, what they've been through together objectively. So she has a moment where she kind of takes a second to clear her head. And as she's looking at Jake, she sees two sides to him. She sees someone who's stuck by her, someone who has protected her when harm has come. And at the same time, she sees someone that is kind of a handicap to the rest of the group because they have to worry about Jake, whether Jake can feed, whether Jake can handle things. So she just kind of takes a second and she just starts to cry because she's so conflicted. And she looks at Jake and says, it's, it's gone Jake I don't, I don't feel anything. I bit into that flower and I'm looking at you like like you're a, 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 someone that I barely know.
4: Jake like like hesitates for a second and he's gonna try to like pick Jenny up because he still feels it and if he's able
0: to he's gonna try to carry her out the door and into the van. Jake no no, no. she can make her own decision. But I offer you this, Jake. And he put her hand, her right hand out. Do you want to taste it? I don't know what sort
4: of high-pressure sales tactics you're using, but I just want to leave.
0: You said we could leave. Go ahead. But she leaves on her own free will, not on your will, Jake. She's not your comfort blanket. I look down, and
4: I see uh, Jenny is just, like, in my arms.
3: Jake, Jenny? just just taste taste the flower. I I can't quite explain it to you. I, she, she did this to my head earlier, And she said that everything that we feel is something that was forced on us when we drank each other's blood, you know, it made this 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 bond that we can't escape. When she talked to me about it earlier, I, I couldn't feel you for a second and I couldn't feel Linda. But then when everything was done, I still can't feel Linda. I think she may be gone. And if Linda's gone, then Abigail's in danger. And this lady may be saying the truth.
4: Does Jake feel Linda and Abigail still? You don't feel Linda,
0: but you feel Abigail. Oh shit.
4: <laughs> oh, that shit that that gives credence to the the shit that's like been propagated like right in front of him. Yeah. Jake sets Jenny down. Is this what you want?
3: I just want you to feel what I feel. If something took Linda, it could be coming after Abigail next. We, we were separated, and then we don't have the power, Jake. You and I, we don't have the power. We're just we're so new at this, okay? Maybe if we take a little power from her, we can save Abigail, and then we can make our own way. We don't have to go back to Montreal.
0: Or Jake, you can just go. And she just looks at you, like, smirking a little bit. But after you taste a flower. Jake nods and trembling, uh, he reaches out his hand. She puts a flower in your
4: hand, and he takes the petal up to his mouth, closes
0: his eyes, and sits the petal on his tongue, and closes his mouth. As soon as you close your mouth, it's almost like sh- bam! It's almost like a slap across your face. You're hit with all these emotions of seeing your go- your wife, your baby. You open your eyes, and you see her without the baldry. What's going on in his head right now with this?
4: I think it's confusion because apparently like this sort of thing just snaps because he's experienced it before and I think the biggest thing like because with Felix and Paya like his feelings based on them personally were not very good not at all so he felt immediately resentment and was like looking down at Jenny was like kind of set down by now but like she is still next to him like he's looking at her like sort of like this I'm not sure the words like some like emotional life raft and a crutch. I,
0: a crutch like a crutch
4: but I think he does love her okay yeah I can
0: I can get behind that for sure So scenes on you guys go ahead Do you still want to leave
3: I don't know what I want Jake I'm I'm just so scared I can't feel Linda I couldn't feel Linda at all and I don't want us to just do things for ourselves We still owe it to Abigail. We may not feel the same way that we did just a few minutes ago, but it's still Abigail.
0: Jenny, your family's gone. The thing that held you all together indentured is gone. Jake, I think you should probably go. You'll find your own way. I'm sure you're good at hiding. Maybe if you hide hard enough, Sanger's won't find you. I can vouch for Jenny, though. Nothing will happen to her. Or you can be useful to us, like I said before, if you don't want to live out there anymore. I can understand that. No way I'd find that to be honorable. Jake looks down at the ground, and he kicks, like, his shoes against the
4: linoleum. Then he turns and he walks, and he stands next to Jenny and puts his hand on her shoulder. Jake,
0: come. You can be added to the cause. Don't worry. And she, like, puts her hands on your shoulder. All you have to do is say yes, Jake. I don't know what I'm saying yes to. You're going to add to the power that Jenny's going to wield. You're going to offer your blood to those who will worship it like a God. And then your existence will be done and you will be at peace and Jenny will be stronger. Say yes, Jake. we need you be the one who helps her now. All right. So we'll cut to Abigail, Abigail. You are brought into the strong embrace of this figure. So you hear like you, you get pulled into the strong embrace by this figure. And slowly he steps back and you feel yourself in darkness. It's cold, windy. It scares you. You hear loud noises. It feels unnatural to you. And as you're with him, slowly your eyes close due to the exhaustion, the mental exhaustion you've had. Your eyes open. You're laying on top of a plateau, you think. You look around. You see clear sky above. You see stars are out. You feel dirt and dust underneath your hands. And you sit up and you're wearing a white robe. And when you sit up, you see a figure standing there. His arms are behind his back. He's short. He's a boy in a priest outfit. And you see him smiling. And he's like, so you have found your way back to me.
1: Yeah, it it seems so. I, I remember you saying that that
0: would only happen if, if it had to. And it seems that it has had to. Come with me, Abigail. And he comes and he offers you his hand. Of course, I'll take it. No problem. And you walk along the top of this plateau and you see that there's like, you look and it almost looks like one of those old, like Hispanic native, um, like they're they're built of like the same stone that is like around there. You know, it it almost looks like an, uh, like it was like a monastery at one time. You see like this, it looks like a classical kind of monastery. And it's really hard to make out the colors at night, but you see torches are kind of like at certain peaks of it. And he walks up these steps that are outdoor steps still outdoors and there's about 20 of them and you get to like this like little courtyard kind of thing that's on top of there and you see that it's like there's some flowers and some plants are along the edge you see like there's like these the 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 same like the same tan color stone has like handrails and rails that go along it and you see that there are chairs that are there like along the side they're like old like carved of like it looks like like the chairs like conquistadors would have brought to the land. You know they, they have intricate carved of wood and they're like four on one end and four on the other. And you see that there's one at the head of it. And this is all outdoors. And you see sitting at the head of it that figure, that figure that that came and got you, the one with the tattoos who identified himself, identified himself as Vidar. And you see on the left of him is that old man that has was missing the eyes, the whole old Hispanic man. And you see the boy goes and sits across from him. And you see the is like, sister, have a seat. I won't hesitate. I'll take that seat. So I have an offer for you. Let me tell you what happened to you there. The ones who sent you there, they're like what we are called Infernalists. They serve demons and devils, and they sell their souls to gain power. They're the bane of the sword, and you came upon them. They try to feed you to one they serve, one I've been hunting for a long time. One that a pack of mine has been looking for for the last 60 years. Do you want to join that fight? Do you want to be a prophet?
1: Yes. They use my family against me.
0: Yes. Well, don't worry. You are part of a new family. We are much stronger and much larger. Well, and we'll go back to Jake and Jenny. So, Jake, you're with this choice here. What do you decide? So
4: I read the penitent nature again, and the penitent exists to atone for the grave sins committed simply by being who she is. I think if Jake ends, he can't, he can no longer give penance. So he's going to walk out the door? Yeah, I think he's going to turn around and like look at Jenny one more time. I still love you. And as he's walking out, like he's kind of. Singing this little song. And she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden. And she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you bleed. But she brings out the best and the worst you can be. Blame it all on yourself. Cause she's always a
0: woman to me. And as Jake walks off and the door closes behind him, you feel a hand on your shoulder and you're like, come Jenny, it's time to evolve. So Linda, you're in the back of this car. With Kimberly. And she says, Linda, I need your help with this. And you know what you need to do. You need to help this man. Help him heal. Help him win his struggle. Tap into that healer that you were at one time. Close your eyes, Linda.
2: Linda will close her eyes.
0: Now open them. She does. When you open your eyes, you see yourself in your old office from when you were immortal. You see your desk that used to sit behind when you'd counsel patients you would see two chairs in front of you. You see a large window to the right that has a bunch of plants that used to spray and keep alive, along with books that used to read. And you hear a knock on the door and the door opens up and you see his figure walks in. He's wearing like this suit, but his like shirt tie isn't like completely done. And he has hair that's kind of slicked back, dark hair. And he looks rather pale. He has bags under his eyes and his, his lips look really thin. And you see him look around confused and he sits down at the chair and he's looking at you. It's like, where am I? What is this? And you hear in your head, Linda, you hear in your head, his name is William. Go, help him heal.
2: I'm so glad you can join me, William. I hear you've been having some problems recently.
0: (laughs) We'll go ahead and stop that at that part right there. All right. Abigail, you are standing in dark shadows, the darkness. You feel the collar around your neck of this priest outfit that you wear. You see in front of you even though others can't that the target of, you see three vampires blindly trying to find their way in darkness. One looks Asian. The other is in this suit and the other looks like a kid, a monstrosity of a kid. You see a cadaver on the floor with their stomach ripped open. You see an angry one who, you know, controls the shadows, but you see Vidar simply grabbed them around his neck and is pulling them into the shadows. And you see this one he's in plastic Like a suit like a hazmat suit his shoes are covered with plastic bags his hands are he has a mustache and he's wearing glasses but his glasses have fallen off he looks like a dad a soccer dad of sorts and you feel him pulled into the darkness you help someone pull him into the darkness and you hear the old man that's all you call him you've called him for 20 years speak about the pale riders and how they are the prophets of the pale riders As the darkness encloses and you step out onto it, into this monastery that you have spent the last 20 years going back to, you see this figure in this plastic suit on the ground and he looks scared and fearful. He has blood all over this suit and you hear Vidar say, Abigail, bring him over. We're going to drop him back off in that city and see what he does.
1: Yes. And she dies on him.
0: Jenny, that night, it's hard to imagine 20 years later. You were brought into a room with her. She explored your body like you couldn't imagine. But then she brought pain as she hung you from chains. But through this blur of pain, and the weeks went on, you found self enlightenment. Soon you were brought before this cult who worshiped you too like a god. There was one moment where you were in this mass of bodies while two initiates were being plundered physically by other members of this cult. And while they're getting plundered, you're feeding them blood from a bowl. And you looked up and you saw Mallory smirking at this, you assume, another vampire who had walked into the room. And you saw the effect she had on that vampire, this female with long brown hair, as she stumbled out, as you felt the swarm of these bodies around you. But things got intense not too long after that. Mallory told you at one gathering, where someone had been murdered chaos had ensured. she said well it's time for them to die it's time for us to start clean again and as you were standing in the snow with her yards away you saw her smile you saw those bodies start dropping in the snow one after another after another after another jake where did you go when you walked out the door
4: i think jake thought about taking the minivan and got it got as far as to like Open the door and about to step inside it, but then realized that it's not for him. So he just reached into the back seat and collected his guitar and started walking the roads. and probably made it into the middle of the city. And it's still dark out is probably the longest
0: night of his son life. And I think he just makes his way into a bar. 20 years later, you find yourself still in the city. You befriended this man named Carlos, who you knew was one of you who your paths crossed. But also on top of that, a man came to you one night recently and knocked on your door. And he introduced himself as Aaron. He was a Native American, had longer hair, and he said it was time to either sit there and not do anything or to do what needed to be done in the city. The camera zooms out and focuses back in to the mine. And a figure walks out of this mine. And you see there's a moment he looks around disgusted Ugly, leathery face with his fur patches sticking out of it. And he walks back into his trailer and closes the door. 20 years later, a hulking figure is standing in the park with a hoodie zipped up and a hood pulled over his head. And the figure walks out of the shadows wearing black jeans and a hoodie and has a black bandana wrapped around his face and says, Lenny, here we are again. You said you wanted some information from me, didn't you? And you see him go, Yeah. It's like, you and that family of yours all the time. Here, here's the information that you need, buddy. And he tells him some information about the location of someone. And as he walks away, after that interaction, he pulls out a cell phone. And he says into the cell phone, yeah, Philip. yeah, it's me. The wheels are turning again. She will be fed. She will be fed. And the cell phone closes. And that, folks, is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night. Sorrow. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Seas by Night Sorrow, I would highly recommend Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Seas by Night Dread, our third story arc and most often cited by listeners as their favorite.